Hey there, everybody. You are listening to the Tough Like a Girl podcast. I'm Nathaniel. And I'm Liz. And this time, well, we wanted to find something that would be seasonal for October. Um, we didn't really have anything on hand, though, did we? No. No. I mean, there, there were some things that we could have ordered, but, you know, with shipping not being as reliable in terms of timing as it is it when things are more ideal. We didn't want to roll the dice and accidentally not have something in hand in time, so we picked what felt like the most, at least tangentially appropriate thing that I had a physical copy of, uh, and that ended up being Apocalyptic Girl, an aria for the end times by Andrew McLean, which I've had for a little bit, and I picked up basically based on the title. Um but had really no expectations of. I mean, did did you have any expectations of this thing going in? Not really. Um, I know we had looked at it a couple times and had gone with other things at that point in time, but we had always been kind of curious about it. So yeah, yep. It, it's got it's got a fun little bit of blurb on the back: a sci-fi epic about a post-apocalyptic life and cat ownership. So this. We'll have to get into some of the nuts and bolts of how this all works uh, as we talk about it in more detail, but broadly speaking, yes, it is a post-apocalyptic story, which you would expect from the title, and we follow, we follow a young woman named Aria, who has a cat uh, named Jelly Beans. It is Jelly Beans, plural. And she spends a big chunk of her time trying to repair this worn-down... Oh, basically kind of looks like a like a mech suit, sort of robotic, um, very large thing. And also trying to track down this signal that she keeps getting, um, she keeps detecting and then losing. And around her, there is the very de rapidly decaying ruins of what was clearly at one point Earth. And there are warring factions who seem to have developed their own society, and it is a very violent life. But she's got her own thing she's trying to do, and we don't really get a full picture of what she's doing or why until about the very end. And so we'll give a spoiler warning before we start really getting into that. So, I guess, broad strokes, what'd you think? Um, I like the story. I did not like the art style. I did not like the stark straight lines everywhere. It was... I don't know. I just could not get into the art. Um, I, I got used to it after a while and that made it a little better, but I never liked the art throughout. And it was short enough that I could never truly be like, oh, okay, this is the way it is. Cause it was a short enough read that I was like, I still don't like it. And then I think I also, I've had a very busy month. So I kept coming back to this. And if I had read it in one setting, I think it would have flowed better and I would have understood the overall plot and the history behind the apocalypse better. But as it was, I was a little confused um, and was like, okay, so what happened when? And then, and then this followed, but then this, this, you know, cataclysm happened. And so I, I was a little confused at times about the history behind this earth. So, yeah, like, I, I think I understood it at the time. I did read it in one sitting. 
Um, I think I understood it at the time, but the details have already started to fade for me. So if you were to ask me to clarify it right now without rereading it, I'm not sure I could. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that confused me. I did like the main character. I like the cat. The the cat's great. And also, like, her relationship with the cat is great because it feels very true to what cats are like, which is most of the time the cat just doesn't seem to really give a crap about what's going on. <laughs> Takes off and then, yep. you know, she has to find it. And, yeah, that's that's a big part of the book is her looking for the cat and the cat being like, whatever. Yeah. yeah, but it didn't feel overly contrived like that, ooh, the cat's missing and it's going to do this big, you know, it's going to cause all these problems. No, the cat's missing because the cat's a cat. And, and we're just going to take a few pages because she knows where this cat pretty much always goes. Mm -hmm. So I, I, like it, I like that they managed to do that without it feeling like a contrived reason for some elements of the plot. No, and it's not a total panic. She's just like, oh, I got to get the cat. Yeah, yeah, that, that helps too. She's not overly dramatic about it. The art style, I, I never fell in love with it either. There are times that it works for me, but usually every couple of pages, there will just be one panel that I'll be like, ugh. There's like something about the image. The faces are hard. Like, you, uh, her and harsh. The like stark lines, and you're like, ooh. Well, usually if something was going to make me go, ah, it was a face, mm -hmm. you know, when she does this yelling scream or early on when she takes a bite of the app with this apple. Oh I, like, God, and the drool. And like, yeah, I, I find that image really off-putting in a way that I don't think it was meant to be. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I, I don't, I don't think it's bad, but it is definitely, it is definitely heavily stylized. And if the style doesn't gel with you, yeah, it probably isn't going to by the time you're done. Mm -hmm. um, I did like the vibe of the world a lot. Uh, it actually, it felt a little bit like some of Hayao Miyazaki's stuff with this sort of sense of this, you know, nature having overtaken what was people's in this sort of overgrown technology um, it reminded me of Fair. things like, well, like Gus, which is what she calls the big mech thing, mm -hmm. reminded me a lot of the robots from Castle in the Sky. Uh, the overall tone of the thing felt reminiscent of Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind. It, it had that feeling of like, yes, humanity's time has passed, but look, nature's back. It ain't that bad. So what I compared it to, and again, this isn't like that same vibe, but the relationship with the cat kind of kept making me think of Alien with <laughs> Ripley and Jonesy. And also the fact that she was running around in like a t-shirt and like very short shorts, which were kind of like an underwear. At one point, I was like, I'm getting like a Ripley looking left with just the cat vibe yeah the, from this the, the last half hour of alien yeah, yeah where she's like i gotta find this cat and this is all i have left kind of vibe so which i like i like ripley i like that aspect of the movie so i i dug that about the book again the the main character is great um yeah um, although like there's one thing that felt really inconsistent to me or well i say that like the way it was brought into the story felt inconsistent with what was done later, mm -hmm. which is that her attitude towards violence, I was kind of confused on. That's fair. Because, because first of all, like, this is a violent world, and this is a violent book. Now, it's stylized, but it is quite gory. Mm -hmm. And the first action scene climaxes with her slitting the throats of several dogs. 
and it's not shied away from. But she then goes back to, you know, the place where she hides out and she's like, I feel like I'm going to be sick. She needs to shower. You know, it, it's like she doesn't feel good about what happened. And then later where there's um, there's a guy in her uh, in the tunnels near where she lives, she comes out and she goes, I should have killed him. And like her internal monologue goes, kill him. You really. And then it just cuts away from that. But it feels like it's saying like, oh, you were just going to jump to killing this person, and it seems like she's not totally cool with that, but then later she's just killing people left and right with no compunction. And then later, towards the end, she doesn't want to kill, like, a teenager, like a 14-year-old, and so she's having qualms about that. I made a note of that. So, yeah, it, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. She kind of goes yeah. back and forth. And so, I mean... In a way, if you were someone who had been like a regular person or who had been thrust into an apocalyptic situation, you might still have those that back and forth and like, I kind of get that maybe. So here's the thing. I can headcanon it because, um, you know, the, the situations where she seems to feel a little bit more torn up seem to be situations where she felt like she had done something wrong or you know, that there was some way that it could have been avoided. But when she's in a dangerous situation where it, it, she's going to die, otherwise she doesn't hesitate. Mm. I can headcanon that, but the problem is for me, the book doesn't do anything with that dichotomy. Yeah. Of, you know, in the heat of the moment, it's fine. But if you have to stop and think about what you're about to do, then you're uncomfortable with it. There's definitely something to be mined there. I just don't think the book did, so it kind of makes me wonder, why'd you bring it up? It does go fast, this book. It is a slight book, so, I mean, that's part of it, I think. Um, I also got a little confused about the narration of the events and things like that. Like, I feel like sometimes she's talking to herself, but sometimes I'm like, is the tracker talking to her like what is going on in terms of like giving backstory to how the apocalypse happened and the event and that so that also i mean that whole thing just confused me <laughs> so yeah it's overall the whole thing is a bit of a mixed bag that having been said i did like the note that it ended on Oh, yeah, me too. I do really like the ending. I dug it. So I guess we're into spoilers now. Yeah, so I, we are going to get into spoilers towards the very end. So, ah, boy. So I, I'm not entirely sure I can fully explain what exactly is going on, but she gets taken up into what is basically a spaceship. Mm -hmm. And... What? Wait, before we get there, can oh. I just say I really like the metallic balls that kind of like merge into android fairies. That was my favorite. <laughs> that, this bit? Yes. Yeah. Um, so now she was expecting these people. They came and picked her up because she had finished what she was trying to do. Mm -hmm. And like... There are all these different Earths, and like there, she was on Earth number twenty-seven, mm -hmm. and she gets asked by who I have to assume assume is whatever the equivalent of her commanding officer is. Mm -hmm. Like we've debriefed you, and we're given how long you were there. We are prepared to take your recommendation on whether or not we should destroy mm -hmm. Earth twenty-seven. And she thinks back to. 
you know, all the stuff, all the violence, all the pain and all the things she'd seen. And then, but then she also thinks to all the good stuff, you know, walking through the woods and just singing, seeing a deer, laughing with jelly bean. And she's like, nah, let it, let it stay. Yeah. And for as horrific at times as the life she was leading was, I like that the book itself at the very end pivots on this idea of, yeah, but there's still stuff worth saving. Which I can really appreciate, especially as I've gotten older, like I have no use for nihilism anymore. This idea of screw it all, burn it all down. I'm like, no, no, there's still something that is worth preserving. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a feeling we can sympathize with right now. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of like, wow, things are a mess, but... I think I like the idea of it's still home, like that she kind of says at the yeah. end. I'm like, yeah, this is this is still our home, and it is what it is, and we try to make the most of it. We don't we don't get beamed up into a spaceship, unfortunately, and no. get away from it. We're still here, but yeah, but it's at at the end of it all, it's still home, and that does mean something. What it means, you know, that's up to you, but it oh, does mean something. And I will really say that my favorite image was little jelly bean kind of reaching towards Earth 27. That was really Yeah, cute. this holographic image is just kind of like trying to bat that, at it. It's with, so very kitty-like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, jelly beans is great. Yeah. <sighs> so, I think overall we were kind of mixed on it. I, I feel like we both found stuff to like about it, mostly in the narrative and, and the characteriz Character, yeah. characterization. And the kitty. And the kitty. The art is, I'm just going to say, it's stark, and you'll either vibe with it or you won't. And the narrative is not the smoothest flowing thing in the world, but I'm also not sure it was meant to be. Like, there's a lot of background-hinted lore, but I also feel like, at least as presented, that's not really the point. It's not a puzzle you're supposed to solve. No, you're not supposed to be really attached to any of the other characters or anything like yeah. that. Or... Now, if, if you are a lore hound, this might annoy you with how many holes it leaves. But, I mean, speaking as someone who isn't, I'm like, I got enough to get through it. Yeah. Yeah, it annoyed me a little more. But, I mean, I liked the kitty. I liked her. So, <laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> there's that. At, at the end of the day, the book has a cat and that is the most important thing for people to know and unlike the movie we watched last oh, God. Night. <laughs> okay so now i'm gonna have to explain that so <laughs> last night we watched uh the woman in black which is a daniel radcliffe kind of victorian era well no it's later than victoria it's like early 20th century set a uh, ghost story which i like very much but hadn't seen in a while and it's incredibly atmospheric. I'm quite fond of it. But Liz pointed out something that I hadn't realized, which is that there's a dog that gets established and then vanishes and the movie seems to forget ever existed. Because it's not it's not like something happened to the dog. Like, the dog just stops showing up and nobody ever acknowledges the dog ever again. No. And it because I was worried when the dog first showed up that it would be... I was like, is it going to survive? Is the dog going to survive? And I just don't know. Like, it could have... Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. It just disappeared. And so Jelly Beans at least makes it through and they care about Jelly Beans throughout the whole story unlike that dog in The Woman in Black. So I will give, the, give that to the book at least. The, the, it cared about the pet 
enough to keep it throughout the whole story. This is going to be a new shorthand of things that you just you just needle me with, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Okay. Just as long as I know what I'm in for, that's fine. You're welcome. Okay. So that's uh, Apocalypto Girl. Um, so uh, we're going to do a quick uh, promo, and then we'll be back with listener feedback. It's midnight, the podcasting hour. From fetid swamps to creepy castles, the podcasting hour is your home for horror on the Fire and Water Network. Join me, PJ Frightful, on this quarterly anthology podcast that gazes into the mysterious and terrifying shadows of DC Comics. The moon is full. And the bell tolls for midnight, the podcasting hour. Hey there, folks. Welcome back. And now we're going to take a look at listener feedback from the previous episode where we took a look at Paper Girls Volume 1. You want to take the first one? Yes. So this is Liz Ann Oswalds. Impressive podcast, most impressive. Hi, Liz. Hi, Nathaniel. Hi, Liz. Um, <laughs> sounds like this was a fun comic, though I may not pick it up. Granted, the weirdness sounds cool, which it was for the most part. It was, yeah. Um, though I, too, don't think I'd like Mac. Her homophobia reminds me of the transphobia going around now. Yeah. I, and, uh, I mean, that's... Uh, there's a lot to be said there. And, actually, Lizanne does say quite a bit, um... But uh, a lot of it is stuff that has been going on in the YouTube space, which I have some familiarity with. But to like to get into to a lot of this would require me to stop and give context for a whole bunch of stuff, which I don't really feel fully equipped to be able to do. I don't know any of these YouTube references, but that that's typical <laughs> of me. Well, yeah, it was that's that yeah that is kind of it, it for you. But if if you um, I, I would encourage folks to take a look at the full comment because there's still there's Plenty to, to sink your teeth into there. And uh, we definitely do thank you for, uh, for bringing it all up. And we're going to just go down to the yep. last paragraph. So also my friend living, Kara uh, Sue, has a YouTube channel. If you want to hear the thoughts of a sane woman, which before Liz was talking to some about some people who really are not greatest like jk rowling um she will probably talk about cosplay and anime her friend as well as cat videos who doesn't like cat videos and hey it goes back to the fact that we just talked a book about it all ties together it's like we know what we're doing yes she has lots of videos of her cat maybe that cat would like a pop apocalyptic girl <laughs> that's hard to say for some reason she and her hubby love that cat which is cool hey you can never go wrong with cat vids though i own dogs and have dog vids but my cat my friend makes cat vids anyways can't wait to hear your all's next podcast which in fact has to do with a very prominent cat as it a does and lizanne does also have a youtube page as well and again she uh, gives her information in that comment too so um, definitely plenty of stuff that you can follow up on and check out from there. Uh, next up from Frank, he said, that's a take. I think this is me seeing other people see me. <laughs> it really is vexing, isn't it? 
While I'm here, I'm glad you covered Far West a while back. Richard Moore's books passed through my shop back in the day, and I always wondered about his work without reading any. Uh, well, thank you, Frank. I mean, it it's worth saying, even beyond the comments that we got here, I heard from quite a few people who said some variation of Mac has a character arc. That's part of what goes on in later volumes, which is fair, but, I mean, the ultimately, we can only judge the volume we read, mm -hmm. and neither of us like, and like, it's not like you can't turn around a character you don't like. I've had characters who I initially didn't like, I ended up, you know, growing fond of later on down the line, but for the volume we read, that's just where it left us. I'm yeah, bad taste in her mouth. With yeah, Mac. sorry. All right, I will take the next one from Tim Price. I've heard good things about Paper Girls, but hadn't read it yet. So your coverage was a good excuse to give it a try because I have no will of my own, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm having fun thoughts with this. Like, we could just tell Tim to read anything. <laughs> the power. I know. <laughs> uh, I get the same feeling about Mac and not the best way for Vaughn to introduce the character. But based on other things he's written, I suspect Mac's arc will change her, which you just confirmed. Not um, soon, though, which requires a big commitment of us readers. Ah, uh, decompressed storytelling. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's a term you're familiar with. Not really. It's something that comes up mostly in comic book spaces because it... Like, if you were to pick up an issue of a comic book from the 70s, the 60s, complete story in an issue. And, like, if you were to, to map out all the events that happened in today's storytelling, it would take five issues just because mm -hmm. they, they make everything take longer. And there's some merit to that, but it does sometimes mean you have to stick around a lot longer waiting for it to get good. Yes. Um... But on the flip side, I did enjoy this book, and it was a breeze to read. The rest of the girls were great, and I'm very intrigued by the multi-layer mystery here. I'm strongly inclined to try more volumes. I get the Stranger Things vibe, and also some elements of the USA Network series, The 4400. It'll be interesting to see. Thanks for another great episode, my punchers. I do not know. I've heard of that series. I've never seen it. Yeah, same here. Same for me. Uh, and finally, we have a comment from Brian Linton, who said, Listening to your discussion of this book, it sounds like this series has potential. I like the weird sci-fi elements that hint at a deeper, more complex story hidden beneath the surface. I don't know if the rest of the series delivers on this potential, but it has piqued my curiosity. I mean, I would say, Brian, I can't vouch for it, but most of the feedback I've gotten outside of this comment section seems to be that people do like it and that it did, at least for a while, live up to what it seemed to be planning. So if it sounds intriguing to you, it's probably worth sticking with. Uh, but he continues. As for Max, she does sound like a tough character to read. Hopefully there is some character growth over the course of the series that make her more sympathetic. As always, I look forward to the next episode. Thank you very much, Brian. And that's all we've got. Did, did we... <sighs> Decide what we're doing next yes, time? Yes, we okay. did. So um, I don't remember, so help me. Yes, yeah, so we're reading Almost American Girl by Robin Ha, which is one of the ones I had gotten for a class I'm teaching called Recentering Representation. Um, and I believe um, the author is Korean-American. 
Okay then. So that's what we'll be taking a look at next time. And thanks so much for listening. We'll see you here in a month. Bye. Bye. Tough Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production and is presented on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Comments can be left on fireandwaterpodcast.com and you can support the network by finding us on Patreon. This particular show was supported by Carolyn and Brian Linton. Our logo art was created by Nick Buxom and our theme music is by Erica Dreisbach, whose other works can be found at ericaricardo.com. Bye. <laughs>